Hello, everyone, and welcome to Realty Questions, where we answer your real estate-related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. Today, we're going to be discussing buyers' questions that are commonly asked, and we're going to be breaking it down into five segments. So there's going to be five segments that are going to follow up this introduction. So hopefully you can uh, listen to the one that applies to you. Uh, definitely is an interesting time in 2018 for buyers because we are, again, if you listen to episode one, in a seller's market. So I'm going to go ahead and give a cue on which ones we're going to be uh, discussing today. So we're going to be discussing, again, questions for buyers. And the breakdown is going to be uh, segment one, young professionals, segment two, single family, uh, segment three, multifamily, and segment four, empty nesters, and the last one, cash buyers. Hopefully, you can find some answers, and if you don't, please email me at realtyquestions.usa at gmail.com, and we will try to find the answer for you. And just like a reminder, these answers are based out of a San Diego, California, um, knowledge. So if you are outside of San Diego, the San Diego region or California, and the rules do not apply to you, please make sure you're answering your questions or getting your answers from your local professional. Because again, depending on what state you are in, the answers could vary. And in some cases, the prices will vary. So definitely keep an update on that and keep mindful of that. So thanks again for listening and we'll, we'll begin shortly. Hello everyone and welcome to Realty Questions where we answer your real estate related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. This is episode two, part one. We'll be discussing young professionals buying a home. So questions that are commonly asked by young professionals buying a home. So really quickly, if you are a young professional trying to purchase a home, more than likely this is your first home. Uh, a lot of times the gift will be coming from your parents or from another uh, entity that will be helping you make the down payment. So that happens a lot of the times. So lenders are prepared to be able to take into consideration that you may be getting a gift for your down payment. So if you're in that segment of the um, buyer pool where you need to have help from uh, parents or uh, uncles or the family just to help you buy your first you know, condo or, um, or single family residence, do not worry. The lenders are great about making sure that they take the um, proper paperwork into consideration to ensure that you don't have any problems about figuring out where the money is coming from. Um, for those of you who have the finances available to be able to purchase and put your own down payment, so the trouble that you find a lot of the times is that you don't have all your documentation ready to go. So please make sure you speak with your lender, speak with a lender that you uh, trust, uh, make sure that they are able to help you uh, understand the paperwork, the process. Uh, usually your realtor will have somebody that they feel comfortable um, referring you to, so that way they know that both of them can work together to ensure that you have all your paperwork, so your W-2s, um, 
your um, recent uh, pay stubs. You need to have your bank statements. You need to have all financial information. So loans, student loans. A lot of you may have student loans that you need to make sure that you uh, um, show that you uh, what you owe. And um, we'll see your taxes, of course. Um, right now we're in January, so the taxes. A lot of you don't have them done yet, and uh, this may help or hurt your. Um, your loan as far as how much you can get based on your taxes of this year. So you got to make sure that you speak with your lender to ensure that you guys have a good plan on how you're going to be buying this house. Um, a lot of times it's not required uh, for you to do your taxes for this year right away um, as far as applying for a loan. But in some cases, like I said, it may help for you to do your taxes for this year if it's going to bump up your loan to debt ratio. So uh, that's one of the things that you're going to be encountering as well, making sure that you have the proof to the bank, letting them know that you have enough money coming in every month to be able to pay for your new place. So let's see anything else that I can think of um, that a young professional may be um, interested in knowing is okay so one of the things that you may want to consider is also uh the resale value and location of your property because this is not going to be your only home so unlike when our parents uh, used to buy homes where they usually uh, bought homes for the duration uh, that was going to be their only home and a lot of the times you will find that you're going to be buying anywhere from two to three homes until you get to your dream house. So please keep that in mind when you're buying a house that this is not going to be your final home. And hopefully it isn't because you're going to try to build wealth um, through your real estate acquisitions. So again, very broad um, conversation about buyers uh, and young professionals specifically. But if you have any other questions, please let me know. Because again, this is just a quick overview answering common things that I see young professionals have a problem with when buying a house. And again, number one, speak with your lender. Make sure you have all your documentation ready to go because that makes a big difference. And at the same time, show um, that you can pay for your home. And again, selecting the right location for your home because you're going to most likely want to sell that house in three to five years and buy yourself a bigger house. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Realty Questions, where we answer your real estate related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. In this segment of episode two, we're going to be discussing single families or um, new families that are looking to buy a house and the questions and things that they may have to prepare for in that event. Um, number one, education. So a single family is usually, if they have children, a lot of the times the most important thing about buying a house is the schools. Making sure that the schools around your house or near your house have a high rating. So one of the best ways to look at that is you can go to a website. So your realtor's website may have a great um, school rating system. Uh, Zillow is another website that a lot of people like going to. There's the school boards themselves have a rating 
or a page as well. The school district may have a page as well to let you know what schools are nearby and what their rating is. So for those of you who have children going to either middle school, high school, elementary school, um, or even private schools nearby, uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind when buying your house. That's one of the things that a lot of people ask. Your real estate professional should have a list of the schools in the area and also um, their ratings as well, if that's important to you, of course, um, to make sure that they provide that information to you. Uh, The next thing that most families are concerned about is the amenities around your house. Things that are going on around your house, uh, how close parks may be, entertainment areas, how close to the beach, especially for us here in San Diego, you know, the distance to the beach is a great thing, especially if you have a family, you know, you want to make sure you take them out and entertain them. Um, Other things uh, within the home is making sure that there's enough room. So always make sure that you uh, take a look at the layout of the house to make sure that it can accommodate uh, your family. So if you have a small family, a lot of the times uh, these homes have either the plumbing or the septic systems that can handle your needs. So making sure that the, um, the plumbing, the uh, systems in the house are ready to go for your children, um, it's important. The other thing that you wanted to consider when you're moving in is making sure that you have an HVAC company that is really um, good come and clean out all the ductwork. Um, make sure they do a nice clean uh, cleaning of the ducts before you turn on the heater and before you turn on the AC. Because again, you're buying a brand new house that you have no idea what went on beforehand. So if you have allergies or anything else, make sure that you just, you know, that's what I always suggest to all the buyers, especially if they have children. Um, The next thing is make sure you pay close attention to the disclosures. Uh, You're going to get a list of disclosures, things that are going on in the area or within the house that you need to pay attention. If the house is of a particular age, there's lead paint that may be uh, you need to take precautions about when doing uh, renovations. Um, make sure that there is, um, you check out the report that there is no, uh, water damage because usually if there was, you want to pay close attention to that in case there's mold. Um, you want to investigate, uh, those things thoroughly. Um, and again, ultimately you just want to make sure that when you're buying your house for your family, that it has all the things that you're going to want, um, nearby, hopefully. And if not, that it can accommodate your house, um, uh, your family, I mean, uh, for the things that you need. So pay close attention to things. And usually your real estate professional will have answers for you as far as the things that uh, may be of concern. But this, this is, again, just a quick overview to remind you to keep those things in mind. Thanks again for listening. And we'll move on to the next segment. Have a great day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Realty Questions, where we answer your real estate-related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. In this segment of Episode 2, we'll be discussing multifamilies, buying a house, things that you need to pay attention to and consider when doing so. 
So really quickly, things that come to the top of mind is when you're purchasing a home and there's going to be more than one family living in that house, whether the home is a large home or there is a guest house or two units, um, a duplex, whatever the case, make sure that the systems that are operating in the house are up to date and able to sustain longer use than normal uh, than normal so for example if you live in an area where there's septic systems you have to make sure that the home has the capacity to do um, a large family uh, in this case multifamilies make sure that the uh, ac units and the heating systems in the house are also able to provide enough heat for um, a large family Making sure these things are done is important because you don't want, number one, your system to fail, or two, the system to be continuously running, and then you have um, a large utility bill coming in. Speaking of utility bill, the water bill is also a concern. Making sure that you understand how much the water is going to be, uh, how much water you're gonna be using in your house. Uh, It's important because again, those bills add up. So if you already have a decent size mortgage, you want to make sure that you take the utilities into consideration. So when purchasing a house, usually most people with multifamilies like homes that are energy efficient. So if a solar system is already installed, even better. You also want to make sure that you have entertainment, a large space, um, enough room in the house and also that you are aware of the layout of the house and in case you want to make any uh, changes. And please always, uh, this is what I always tell my clients, make sure that you get permits for any additions that you do to the house because what happens is when you sell your home in the future, if you don't have a permit, then those items could affect the sale of your home. How would they affect them? Well, number one, Uh, the lender may not be able to lend on a home that has certain uh, modifications done to it unless those modifications are reverted back. Uh, Number two, uh, even if the additions and everything else were done up to code and look very nice, well, if they're not permitted, you can't charge for the square footage of that house. I mean, sometimes people will look at an addition of a house and kind of say, yes, I may be able to give you, you know, a little bit more money because that looks good. But overall, uh, when you're getting in a home appraised, they don't really care about that. They just go by the the records that are on file. So please make sure that you get your permit so that way you don't have to worry about that. And when you finally sell your house, as we progress towards the maybe the empty nester phase of your family. So multi-family multi, um, purchases as well, you also have to pay attention to finances. Uh, if a lot of uh, members of that family are going to be contributing uh, to the purchase of the house, and that's the way you're going to prove that you can afford the house, make sure that your lender is aware of where all the money is coming from, and at the same time, making sure that there's proper documentation from every single one. The problem that you may find in financing is that 
there is going to be a delay in getting everybody to play along with the lender and make sure that they have all the documentation available. So please keep those things in mind when purchasing a home as a multi-unit. There's a lot of other questions that your real estate professional can answer for you, but these are things that you just keep in mind. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Realty Questions, where we answer your real estate-related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. This is episode two, and this is the segment where we'll discuss empty nesters. So what is an empty nester? So usually these are a group of parents or people who had a big house because of the family and now the house is either too big for them or too much maintenance for them so what they're doing is now selling that big house and buying you know maybe another a lot of the times what we find is that they end up buying another big house but that has less of the things that they usually don't um, care for anymore so most of the time though they buy a smaller place that is near the amenities and the places that they really would enjoy living in. So discussing that, uh, empty nesters, one of the things to keep in mind, obviously they are usually not first time home buyers. Usually they're not looking for a home that they're going to be renovating. They usually are not looking for a home as well that may be in an area that is known for like party area, like a college area. They're not looking for a really busy area as well. Um, Obviously, there are those um, different uh, gems in our pool that maybe want to be partying with the college people. But I mean, we're talking about very rare cases on that. So specifically for empty nesters, things to keep in mind, uh, where, what community you want to live in. Um, Do you want to live in a 55 plus community? That's an option for you. For most people, it's an option. Um, If they're an empty nester, that uh, now they can move into a community that uh, is only empty nesters or 55 plus. Uh, That is used to be a, a super like negative stigma. Like, oh my God, I don't want to be living in those communities. But nowadays, these homes and these communities are so awesome, mainly because, again, uh, people that are 55 plus right now are not the same as our parents and the parents, our grandparents, 55 plus. Like the age, uh, the youthfulness of our 55 plus uh, clients is a lot younger than before. So, um the communities themselves are all dialed in. They have all the amenities. They have pool tables. They have pools. They have uh, spas. Some of them have golf cor- the golf courses within them, etc. But again, you're going to be paying for those different amenities. So depending if you want those type of amenities all in-house, uh, then you may consider living in a 55 plus community. Uh, other options are going into more rural areas, so where they have kind of like a country feel, where it's more like a small town. You can do that as well. Um, there's a lot of areas near our communities where you can find uh, very charming homes that are also within 
10, 15 uh, at the top, you know, 30 miles from the nearest entertainment. So um, usually in our area, you know, 30 minute drive, you're pretty much in a different biosphere here. You can be in the mountain, you can be in the desert, you can be in the beach, you can be uh, in the city within a 30 minute to 45 minute drive. So we live in a really cool place here in Southern California where as an empty nester, you have those options. So most of the basic um, overviews of what you should look out for um, don't usually apply to empty nesters. Usually they already have sold or bought maybe one or two homes already. The thing that keep in mind is that the last time you bought a home and unless it's been within the last year, uh, a lot of things have changed. So please listen to your real estate professional. That's one thing that we do find is that you have sold a few homes before, so you kind of get stuck on your ways. And we hopefully are, you know, doing our best to communicate that we want to make sure we help you. So listen to your professional, trust in them, and we'll get through it well enough. Thanks again for listening. Have a good day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Realty Questions, where we answer your real estate-related questions and help you on your path to homeownership. This is episode two and the last segment in which we'll discuss cash buyers. So cash buyers, you guys are a special breed of people that have sold more than one home by now and purchased more than one house. And for the most part, a lot of you are investors looking to buy homes to either renovate and hold or renovate and sell again. The thing about cash buyers, um, not speaking to people who are going to be living in the house and they just managed to accumulate that much wealth to purchase the house for themselves, um, either one, whether you're an investor or a family looking to buy their their first house and it just happens to have the cash, um, you have to keep in mind that at this moment, as we're recording in January 2018, it is a seller's market. You have to make sure that you take a look at your numbers so that when you offer, you're not coming in way lower as you would traditionally do in a buyer's market. So, the reason I wanted to add this last segment to the buying tips is because that's my tip to you. Please make sure that you pay attention to your numbers. Uh, I know that a lot of people like earning a certain percentage um, and it varies from team to team on what your profit margin is uh, when purchasing a home to renovate. But What's happening, if you're a smaller team, you're getting beat out by the bigger teams when it comes to the money. They have the money, they have the resources, they have the inventory to give $10,000 more uh, because their team is more efficient than yours. If you're a smaller team, um, a lot of times um, you can beat out a large team because you you don't have that much overhead on your end. Uh, You know exactly what you need to do, how much, uh, what it is that you can do, uh, what you can renovate and how well you can do it. Uh, So maybe you can come in and be competitive as well in the price. Um, But that's the thing. 
if a home is being sold for $400,000 and you're blindly submitting offers uh, for anywhere from fifty dollars to $75,000 less than what the home is being sold for, just because you're used to that, um, please put a hold on that until the market allows for that. Because I'm telling you as a, a realtor that gets many emails from investors, just randomly sending me texts, um, sending me emails and sending me invitations for different things. But at the end of the day, you're showing that you're not listening to the realtors that you're trying to work with. And you're also not modifying your numbers. You're set on your numbers. So then you're not going to win a lot of the deals that are out there. So most of the time, if you are being successful in your deals, that is awesome. But remember, you're competing against a lot more people as well. So be careful in when you're offering uh, cash uh, that you are, number one, being consistent in your um, communication with your realtors and how you want to approach the different homes that you're trying to buy. And number two, that you take a look at your numbers and maybe see how you can make your offers a little bit more attractive to the sellers so that way you're not wasting your time and the realtor's time by submitting a whole bunch of offers um, in different places where you're just not going to get a win. So that's my big thing about cash buyers is that you have to make sure that you understand where the market is at. And right now, cash is going to most of the time win, but you have to be very, very good and making sure that the offer is written in a way that is attractive. And yes, the closer you are to the asking price, that more attractive it is. Have a good rest of your day. Happy hunting.